0: Hi everyone, my name's Shal and I'm an EDST4 based at the Royal London Hospital. Addressing the discrepancy between resources and demand in healthcare requires real innovation to develop new models of care and new ways of working. One great example of this is the Physicians Response Unit, or PRU, which is pioneering community emergency medicine as a subspecialty in North, Central and East London. In this episode of NetRAG Plus, we have invited some esteemed members of the PRU team to talk about their experience of healthcare provision in an area of the country with great diversity and social deprivation.
1: So next I have Megan with me, who's one of the PRU nurses.
0: Megan, do you want to introduce yourself, what your role is in and outside of the PRU?
1: Yeah, so I'm Megan. I'm a senior nurse here in the emergency department at the Royal London Hospital and I completed a PRU nursing commitment in 2019 and that consisted of a mixture of both clinical and non-clinical duties. Brilliant. And what's your um, experience prior to joining the PRU? Are there any prerequisites to apply for the role? Um, no, nothing in particular. When I applied, um, it was for the the first ever PRU Ness. So it was very much an unwritten role, which was actually really nice because it allowed us to come in and, and kind of do what we wanted with it, really show all the skills that we had and what we could bring to the table without there being you know, a, a scripted um, sort of thing that we should be doing. So that was really nice to come in into a new role. Um, I didn't have any community or pre-hospital care before doing the role, so that was actually something that appealed to me because it meant I could try something new in in my practice. Brilliant. And not very many pre-hospital services have a nurse role. Mm -hmm. What was it that you guys brought to the PRU? Um, So I think, you know, the whole ethos of the PRU... And of community emergency medicine is to bring the hospital to the patient and bring the emergency department to the patient. You know, your largest work your largest workforce in an emergency department is nurses. So I think you really do need to have nurses' input in order to truly bring the department to patients home. I think there are things which um, nurses I wouldn't necessarily say are better at doing because we're nurses, but we tend to do more often, so things like wound care, catheter care, making sure that patients can administer their own medications or comply with their medications. I think we're more used to doing those tasks, um, and we have lots of those skills which are transferable to to um, making sure that patients are safe at home. And then a a big part of your job, if I'm not mistaken, is... So you do clinical shifts and you also do some kind of admin management tasks. Mm -hmm. What kind of things have you got involved with with the PRU from that aspect? Oh, it was a real mix, actually, which was really nice. So we did um, some work on an end-of-life care pathway, which um, linked in with our local hospice here at St Joseph's, but also with other palliative wards and services offered by local hospitals. That was really interesting because you had to coordinate both the care for those patients in terms of did they want to be at home or in hospital. They wanted to be at home making sure the carers or the district nurses were able to come in. But also the logistics of um, sorting out medications, sourcing them for the patients, getting them into the patient's home, having the prescriptions. And obviously, you know, that comes with a lot of clinical governance because most of the medications are CDS. So that's really interesting because you had to think of so many things and so many um, so many things had to line up in order for that to work. We also did some work on high-intensity users. Um, I'm not, I don't think we necessarily made a big impact there, but it is some work that the PRU are continuing to um, try to help with. Um, and then also on um slightly more nuanced areas, so carrying alter or tenecta for use in PEs, MIs, and um, just because we were trying to decide which medications could be most useful for the service um, and and obviously more cost-effective as well. Mm-hmm. And so now you're back in your kind of regular ED role, what mm-hmm. have you bought from the PRU back to ED? What how is it impacting your practice? Oh, it's impacted massively in my practice. Um, I think I, I have such a greater understanding and awareness of um, when patients come into the department, they may tell you things about their home life which you may think is probably not the case or you may think is unusual talking about six people living between two bedrooms and things like that or not having access to hot water or not having indoor bathrooms and actually when you go out into the community and you see that you're like actually this is real and it's not unusual and one day we went to two people who didn't have indoor bathrooms and um, it really drives home that these things happen and these things aren't uncommon. Um, it's. I've realised the value of the information that our paramedics or EATS or other pre-hospital clinicians have and actually we've got such a short window to get that information out so they've been with the patients for hours, their handover may take five to ten minutes but we've got so much information that we can glean from them about the patient and their ability to cope at home and I think that's been really useful and it just helps me to think outside the box when I'm at home thinking yes this might be the best course of treatment according to X paper or these guidelines but actually looking at that patient in front of me imagining how they're going to be in their house is this going to be a realistic treatment plan for them brilliant and what's your favorite thing about working with the piu oh gosh there are so many things and um, i really enjoy just the complete change from the norm being item about, about in the community um, seeing patients in their own home and yeah, just getting to know a little bit more about the community in which I work in and the community in which you try to care for and serve. It was just really rewarding to see that. Thank you very much, Megan. Thank you.
0: Hi Matt, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your role within the PRU?
2: Um, yeah, my name is Matt. I've been working with the London Ambulance Service for four and a half years now. Been with a PRU team as a emergency ambulance crew member since March 2020. So we have come up to about 14 months. As a comment, uh, my role within the PRU is we respond. We are the drivers. Um, for the vehicle and for the team, we work alongside the emergency doctors, trying to treat the patient in the community where possible. Um, but we're also our main role is to sort of bring the pre-hospital experience to support the doctors in their medical decision making.
0: Brilliant! And so, emergency ambulance crew member—that's uh, shortened to Eek. What can you tell us is the difference between an Eek and a paramedic?
2: Yeah, so Eek is. A variation of a term, as in, so it used to be called emergency technician, um, which has changed over the years from different services around the country. Difference: the main difference between us and a paramedic. Paramedics go to university majority of the time. There are some old school medics that have got diplomas. Now it's a BSc three year degree, um, whereas our training normally is a six month in house training, theory wise and then you do a year on the road to gain that practical experience and knowledge. Skills wise, paramedics can cannulate, can give IV medications and have got a greater anatomy and physiology of knowledge than we have.
0: Fine, and then if you're, um, so if you're an eek, you mentioned that you're doing the, the driving, um, the blue light driving and then you're also doing kind of the observations the ECG and then within the PRU you're also very familiar with the kit so that's quite a big task Um what else do you do specifically in the PRU that's different from what you would do in the LAS as an EEC?
2: Differently um, for the PRU we're additional training to assist the doctors um, in sedation um, in a case of an RSI, in a case of a thoracotomy, um, point-of-care blood tests is another additional one that I can't do on an ambulance service, uh, assist with catheterisation, wound care. So, with a PIU, we can glue, staple, stitch wounds in the community.
0: Brilliant. And then, in, so the majority of our listeners are going to be people who work in the emergency department and from your point of view especially on your time in LAS but also in PRU when you're handing over patients what do you think makes for a good LAS to ED handover what are the questions or what is the demeanor of the person who's taking the handover from you that you that you think makes for a good handover?
2: Um, we fully understand doctors are very busy I think sometimes Doctors are listening rather than actually hearing what you're saying in terms of getting an understanding where you're coming from. The bonus of us in a pre-hospital environment is that you get a full package and a picture of a patient so you can see their social backgrounds, their living conditions, the attempts that the patient or the patient and family have made to try and get medical attention from their GP, the rapid response team or a previous emergency ambulance or even previous hospital visits that when they're delivered to you in hospital, it might be a different setup and the patient may seem very, very different. So I think listening to the handover and the crew's concerns maybe in the patient's setup at home.
0: Yeah. So all that kind of nuanced information that, you out in the pre-hospital world can collect about the patient before they come in and get kind of standardised in a gown, in a cubicle and become this kind of bit more faceless character. You can bring a bit of colour to that background. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's correct. I think as well, sometimes as you get more experience in the pre-hospital world, your gut instinct tells you a lot. Um, And it's sometimes your gut tells you something's not quite right, but you can't put your finger on it personally I've bought a patient in the hospital um, a couple of times that something's not right at home in a home setup or in, in the in their presentation but you can't quite put your finger on what is causing those symptoms so listening I think to the, the crux of the problem rather than to medicalize everything is a huge difference.
0: yeah It's the idea of holistic care and understanding that it's not just a constellation of symptoms but there might be other factors that are driving people asking for help
2: yeah that's a, a huge difference
0: and last question what's your favorite thing about working with the PRU
2: my favorite thing working with PRU is if I want to what I've learned um my medical understanding and knowledge has vastly improved uh, in the last 14 months, my personal confidence and ability in my own own ability, but also working as part of a team and the structure. And this has been a hard year. The COVID has been really tough and the the team morale has has been a huge impact on how we all work together.
0: Thanks very much, Matt. Hi, Annie. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, and what you do, and who you are?
3: Yes. So I'm Annie. I am an ST4 doctor, just coming to the end of ST4, um, working in London. And I finished my secondment with a PRU um, six months ago.
0: And when did you apply for PRU? And uh, what did the application process entail?
3: So I actually PRU. applied for PRU when I was in ST3. Um, but I had known that I wanted to do it from around probably F2, F3, ST1. Um, And so from then I'd started to think about the application process. Um, For me, it entailed kind of before the the application itself, making sure I was prepared with enough on my CV that would show interest and prove interest. And it was quite nice actually to know that things I had done previously were kind of similar and with with similar kind of traits and characteristics in mind that would link to the job of the PRU. Um, In ST3, I applied for it as a written application um and then once the written application went through um that would then get scored and then successful applicants were invited to interview and went to the interview um, in front of a panel which was lots of the seniors from the pru um and consultants from the base hospitals that the pru serves and then yeah and then went through the process from there
0: and what kind of traits Um, do you
3: think that they're looking for in the application process? Oh, that's a really good question. I think, uh, I mean, I'm probably not the best person to answer that. I think the things that, having done the job, that I think are important, that I'd imagine they'd look for, is someone who's interested and dedicated to to pre-hospital medicine and to really thinking about the integration interface between ED and the community. Someone who is also committed to patient-centred care And also, interestingly, a big part of the application seemed to be could you get on with the person you'd be spending a day with? Because unlike in the ED, you are in the car with just one other person or two other people on this job. And so I think lots of it was about um, being personable, being able to communicate, uh, and also being able to, you know, have a good time when you're working.
0: And do you think the PRU job is just for people who are interested in pre-hospital care or the kind of traditional trauma junkies.
3: Oh I think that is a really good question. Um I think probably historically maybe it attracted through the uh, kind of advertisement and application process attracted the former from what you just said. But actually personally I think that it has a place in any um any emergency doctor uh, and actually maybe even any any hospital doctor who has little understanding of anything pre-hospitally. Um, I think particularly in the ED, when you are that kind of first port of call for patients coming in from the community, I think um, the Physician Response Unit, as a service that can link the community in pre-hospital care with hospital care, to be interested and be excited by that and kind of commit to that and that way of thinking in the future, I don't think needs to be someone who's pre-hospitally minded at all. I think it's about providing good, complete emergency care.
0: And how do you think um, the PRU has changed your clinical practice?
3: So comparing my my clinical practice pre-PRU to post-PRU, um, and I feel quite lucky in talking to you about this maybe six months down the line after finishing, um, because I think the way I practice medicine is is so different now from how I did before. The job itself and the people I met and the training process taught me so, so much that it would probably be difficult to articulate well. I think it taught me initially about the importance of rigorous checks, of keeping high standards and of kind of prioritising different issues in your day Um, from an ED point of view, translating to the pre-hospital environment, you know, making sure you know your kit really well i think a lot of us in the ed sometimes are put in unfamiliar situations or difficult situations that's kind of the nature of it and um, but when you have a little bit of training like the pru provides you get used to making the best situation out of being familiar with your kit and your surroundings so in terms of process i think it's taught me loads in terms of communication and in terms of uh, how i want to come across and how i hope i come across to be able to get the most out of a patient consultation, it the the value of this job and being able to spend time just with one patient and practising that communication style, and being able to vary it with different situations is, is completely transformed the way that I think I practise. So from a communication point of view, vastly, vastly different. Um, and then from thinking about patients in terms of where and how they'd best be treated, having a different view you know seeing patients being treated in their own homes or in a care home or involving community care um teams um again has transformed my view of what is what i think is good care or appropriate care you know is that decision down to me is it down to them is it down to their families um, and i think you can only really get a full kind of scope and experience of that if you do a job where you see it every day and you see it working and and often you see it not working and um, so yes yeah, it's, it's hugely changed the way that I practice I think.
0: And a lot is talked about about the sign-off process as a fellow what is the sign-off process what does it entail um, and how is it assessed?
3: So the sign-off process um, is an interesting one I think it's one it's something that people are quite rightly quite nervous about um, but the process itself is designed incredibly well to not pile too much on to to teach you stepwise how to be competent and safe and comfortable in your job um, so you start with um, a big book of sops so standard operating procedures and uh, with a checklist as well of what you need to achieve the knowledge you need to achieve who needs to listen to you talk about these sops um, and a list of the different kit you need to know about so you have a booklet for sign off um, and the sign-off process is usually six weeks with the aim to cover all of these things by then so in terms of covering the standard operating procedures um you need to know these procedures inside out you need to get them checked off and your knowledge checked off with um someone who's qualified so either a qualified fellow one of the eeks the emergency ambulance crew or one of the consultants or one of the nurses lots of them are practical procedures so knowing how to use the radio comms um which is actually really interesting <laughs> which a lot of us find very difficult at the start and some of us like me find difficult even by the end lots of it is about how you handle for example how you use the ultrasound machines that we carry Um, and you have six weeks to get those things signed off so in that time you'll have supervised shifts with consultants and you will have what's called a and d days um so they're kind of development days where you can go in and learn things um at the base which is at the helipad um you have supervised shifts with um, some of the senior staff where you can go through any cases that you may have found difficult Um, and all of that leads towards a final sign-off day Um, and on your final sign-off day you are being observed in the car on every job Uh, you manage every job you fully debrief every job and you have usually some time for questions kind of like a viva uh, about different sops be that anesthetic and sedation be that kind of trauma be that complex patient management or community pathways. And yeah, by the end of those six weeks, if you meet the criteria and the standards, um, and you pass the sign off day, then you'll sign off if you need some extra time. And then you can go through that with supervisors, but it's a process designed, I think in hindsight, even though I was very worried about it at the time, it's a process designed to encourage you to learn it and encourage you to on that first shift out on the car where it's you and the EEC and potentially the nurse to be comfortable, to know who you can call if you're in trouble, to know the absolute standards for the service. Uh, so it's a, it's a process designed to teach and learn.
0: What's your favorite thing about the PRU?
3: Actually, it's interesting. Cause I think you and I were talking about this earlier. My favorite thing, there's two, there's two favorite things. I mean, firstly, in terms of patient centered care, I've never experienced a job where I feel that the reasons I came into medicine um, are being kind of realised as much as the PIU. So I do I like emergency medicine because I think it is it, to me it's the definition of kind of almost moral medicine. Someone needing needing immediate emergency care and you being able to provide it. Um, and I think the PIU is an amazing example of that because it is absolutely patient centred and it, it yeah to me it is it is excellent care so knowing that you're providing that or at least trying to provide that with a with an awesome team is really good my other favorite thing is the relationship that you inevitably end up having with the, um with the team you're working with in the car every day um so working with really closely with the eeks and with the nurses and then with the helipad team was honestly one of the best experiences of my life so the bond the bond you make is so strong and the trust that you have in each other is so complete. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't call each other out on things. Or And, you know, the process of debrief is such that you do really debrief. You ask difficult questions, but because of that, the trust you have in each other uh, is, yeah, is absolute. And I, I absolutely loved that.
0: And for anyone that's listening who is thinking or on the fence about joining the PRU, what could you
3: say to them? For me, the PRU was and still is in my mind is (laughs) you get from it, in my opinion, as much as you give to it. And if you are prepared to go in with completely open eyes, be willing to learn and excited about learning all of these things. um, Wanting to engage with the team, wanting to get to know um, community teams then I think absolutely go for it because if you if you want to put in a lot, you will get out so, so, so much. Um so yeah, I mean, if I could do it every day. <laughs> no, I love my job in A&E. I, I do absolutely love AE and I I so enjoy being there and believe in that. But um, but I adored it and I think if you've got any inkling that you might like to do it, then just go for it and try and see if you like the team. Uh See if you like the ideas, read about it. Yeah, let me go for it.
0: And last question, and it's a toughie. There are some skeptics about the PRU service. There are some people who um, may argue that you've got quite a senior person in from ED out in a car with someone from the London Ambulance Service, and you're seeing about five to seven patients a day. Whereas in the ED, you could be overlooking 10s, 20s of patients. What would you say to those sceptics? Why, why would you say that this service is worth investing in and working in?
3: Yeah, I think it's really good. And this is a conversation that I've been quite familiar with. Um, I've had with lots of different people. And so I've given quite a lot of time to thinking about it. Um, I think there's three main reasons why I think it's justifiable. And, well, why it's justified as a service. So I think firstly, in terms of um, the resource management and uh, and the services as a resource, I think in the emergency department, often as registrars nowadays, um, it's rare to see lots of your own patients. I think often we're overseeing areas of departments, we are getting involved with complex patients, um, we are receiving kind of handovers from more junior colleagues. So I think to have time, you know, as the dispatch process for PRU gets better and improves, and as we see where we're making the most difference from kind of ongoing um, audit, I think the patients we end up getting sent to are more complex patients, be that complex elderly patients, be that patients, you know, with end-of-life care needs, be it younger complex patients. And I think they're the patients that would potentially fall through the cracks in ED um, if they were... Either seen by someone more junior and discussed briefly, or if actually you couldn't see them in their environment at that time. And I think the things about these kind of complex patients is seeing that their own environment and appreciating that is more wealthy to your clinical assessment than probably most of your questions. You know, there's lots of examples of patients I've seen at home and all of us have seen at home where actually you would assess them in ED and you think, nope they cannot manage. They can't walk, uh, unaided, but actually their aids are set up for them in their home. They are grabbing onto chairs at different points they can mobilize around the kitchen. Um, and they can do it. Um, and taking them into a new environment would probably end up sending them into a delirium or, you know, those sorts of things. So I think in terms of the patients and the complexity of the patients and the necessity for a, for a registrar, any registrar to be going to see that doing any emergency interventions like bloods and and emergency treatments there or ultrasound or whatever we need to do um and and potentially not conveying to hospital or conveying to hospital the plan um is is important so I think that's number one in terms of the patients in terms of um for the for doctors themselves I think there's a there is a problem, and I think we'd be lying if we didn't say there's a problem with retaining emergency doctors and I think in terms of our job satisfaction and quality of life um being able to spend time with one patient at a time on the p r u is it's good for your mental processing and for your soul i think, and actually, like I said, it's changed my e d practice and um, so I think if we're thinking about long term and retention of doctors and our own mental health and mental wellbeing. I think working on something like the PRU alongside an ED job is incredibly, incredibly um, important. And I think it's it gives us a new string to a bow. It gives us almost a new lease of life.
0: Um, and I think one of the important things probably to add is that that doesn't necessarily mean that PRU is, is kind of lighter no, no, work.
3: absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I think the um, the caseload that you have on the PRU is heavy, and because of that, there's really, really robust kind of governance system within the PRU. There's a really good, effective, safe D and D process where we can debrief. You debrief immediately with your with your team, and then with the wider team. Um, and I think because of the heaviness of the caseload. The difficult decision making, which obviously you can share with your E you and you can share with the consultant on call, um, but there is, you know, potentially difficult decision making when you're out there on your, uh, you know, on, in your team on your own. Um, it's it's certainly not a lighter option; it's a different option, and I think that variety is important for um, for your sanity. Um, and then I think point number three is that, especially in the pandemic, it has been. Noted, I think, by everyone, certainly not gone unnoticed in ED, that you know face-to-face consultations and, and hospitals are not necessarily as safe as we thought they were and are not necessarily the fix or not necessarily the right place for lots of people to be. Um, so I think the PRU, again, is not a, it's not a blanket solution. It's another solution. And I think it's really appropriate that there's choice and that there's different services to suit different needs. Yeah, I think it's a really good point about about skeptics or about opening the conversation. I don't think there's one right answer, Um, but I, having having experienced both of them, I would certainly advocate for allowing and encouraging variety.
0: Yeah, and I think what you've really nicely illustrated there is that it's a service, not necessarily for everyone, but it is a service that can yield great benefit for a selected minority of patients. And it can also be reaffirming for those of us that go into e d and end up in higher training positions who are kind of overlooking other people getting that patient contact,
3: yeah, absolutely, I think that's such yeah that's such a good point also for having that understanding when we as we go through and become more senior, having an understanding you know for us that there are these community services available that this person this person could maybe be managed at home with a fool's team um it's just it's just accumulating knowledge and working out how to use it and I think the PRU really provides options for that
1: yeah and
0: opening up conversations between different disciplines I think we get really Mm. good at kind of tribal bashing other groups whether it be GPs whether it be district nurses RRT whoever it is but I think going out and being involved in the community and seeing that everyone really is trying to do a good job and that we kind of is kind of the natural process to just blame whoever gives you work
3: completely completely and it's funny isn't it that we end up tending to do that when we're on the receiving end of so much of that when we were in A&E and trying to make a referral um I, I think as well do you know what the other the one last point I'd make and that's not related to your last question that's just a point to make is the relationship that you end up having with paramedics and with the ambulance service when you go out as you know as part of a crew request if a crew's requested you to go somewhere um, lots of their experience of interface with doctors, A&E doctors, actually isn't that favourable towards us. And it's really nice to make a relationship to see what they think and to think of ways where all of us, you know, in the future, can potentially try and change that when we become more, uh, you know, as as we learn and as we progress.
0: Yeah, because all of us have this the same aim, which is to provide good quality patient care wherever we're working. Mm. Thank you, Annie. Thanks so much, Sal.